Hallelujah. 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 I feel a great visitation of the Lord here right now, and I, I feel prompted, and I, I feel directed of the Holy Ghost to talk to you for just a few moments. I'm not trying to stop what's happening here. It's going to continue. But I'm going to give you an understanding, I pray today, or God will give you an understanding of what's, what's going on and what needs to happen. I believe we are in a divine moment. I mean that. A divine moment. I believe we are at a place in time that God orchestrated months ahead. We could not even imagine this hour because we were trying to get through that one that God was already here and he knew we were going to get through that one so he was preparing something for this one. And that's why the enemy has fought you so severely because he didn't want you getting to this hour. That's why he's doing everything he can to keep you disconnected and standing at a distance or just moving in, in, a, in, in a form, in a formality, but really not moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because he knew that God was a God of future. He may not have known the future, but he knew God operated in the future. And God is not limited by my past. And so God was already here on this Sunday in 2020 when we were struggling through Sunday in 2017 or 2015. When we didn't think we could get through that, God knew we could. And so he came into this day and he prepared in this day something that would give us the opportunity for what we needed to make the step that we need to take. You hear me today, church. The Holy Ghost is in this place right now. And I speak by divine authority that this is not just another hour. This is not just another Sunday. Hallelujah. This has been a month of rebuilding for our church. And some of us feel like we don't really, really need a rebuilding, but we do need transformation. And transformation is part of rebuilding. And many of us could do with a good spiritual upgrade we've been living on way too less for too long and we've been satisfied with it you know just coming to church sitting on a pew doing our thing but no real spiritual depth no real spiritual connection carnality has more sway in our life than spirituality oh yeah there's that, that that's what Paul dealt with in the Corinthian church they talked in tongues just like you do but they also had a battle with their flesh because of where they chose to live. And the Holy Ghost knew what we would be facing today. And it stepped into our tomorrow and prepared it for us. And here we are this Sunday morning. And God has orchestrated our lives so that we could be at the right place at the right time to experience what God has prepared for this moment. 
Ezra chapter 3, let me very quickly read just a few verses of Scripture. Ezra chapter 3, verse number 8. Now in the second year of their coming into the house of God at Jerusalem in, in the second month, began the son of Shealtiel and Yeshua the son of Jehozadak, and the remnant of their brethren and the priests of the Levites and all that were come out of the captivity into Jerusalem and appointed the, the Levites from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of God. Then stood Joshadek with his sons and his brethren, Kadmiel and his son, the sons of Judah together to set before set forward the workmen of the house of God. So the whole purpose was to get the temple rebuilt. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, they set the priest in their apparel with their trumpets, <clears throat> the Levites and the sons of Asaph with symbols to praise the Lord for the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse number four says, Now when the adversary of Judah, chapter one or chapter four, verse one, but when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and they rose up first to join them, but then in opposition. And if you continue to read down to verse 4, and the scripture said, and the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. The reason you're fighting what you're fighting right now is because the devil hates the opportunity that's before you. The reason that you're dealing with some of the nonsense you're dealing with right now in your life and you haven't been able to figure it out is because the devil has some kind of idea evidently of what is coming if you respond to this opportunity he may not know the future but he knows something about God because he, he, he worshipped him for eons before he fell so he knew a lot about God and he knew a lot about God's nature and God's capacity. And he knew if God ever got back involved in their lives in the way that this was going to bring him, that that was going to be trouble for his world. Our opportunity terrifies hell this morning. Your opportunity this morning in the presence of God terrifies hell. What that opportunity represents, what that opportunity opens your life to terrifies hell. And that's why there is so much of that going on in your life right now. 
Because if the devil can stop you from doing what God is trying to prompt you to do, he's going to frustrate the grace of God that has been put together for this hour for your life. Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to talk to you. Amen. Praise God. I don't normally do service like this, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. This is a time for you and I to get things right in our lives. Right order, right focus, right priorities. Not only is this an hour for us to get the right things in our life, It is time for us to do the right things with our life. Quit wasting our time and our energy. Quit squandering our talents on things that do not matter and things that the enemy of your soul would trick you into thinking that because they are good, they are God. And I'm here to tell you that not every good thing is of God and not every good thing that you do in your life is going to bring you the results in your life that God wants you to have. Amen. And so it's a time for us to put things in their right place and reach for the right things, desire the right things, and pray for the right things. Our church is on a 21-day time of prayer together. And I believe that you are going to mix that with prayer. And that is something powerful that when God's people unify in prayer, something is going to happen. Doors are going to open. Things are going to come to pass. Chains are going to be broken. The power of God is going to be released in our midst to do what he wants to do. As we discovered last week in our, in our message, it's a new day for God's people. It was a fresh opportunity that afforded them a chance for recovery. After long years of exile, the tide had turned and God, listen to me, when I said this while ago, some of you didn't believe what I was saying. But God had already prepared this day for his people. While they were still struggling in bondage, he said, there's going to come a king. And I'm going to tell you who his name is. His name's going to be Cyrus. He's going to come up among your enemy. But he's going to be your friend. And he's going to let you go back to Jerusalem and rebuild that most important part of your life. And that is the temple that was destroyed. And God orchestrated that. He brought Cyrus into leadership. He elevated him on the world stage so that now whatever his word was, was decreed. Whatever that decree was, it was law. And the Bible said that Cyrus decreed that they would go back and rebuild the temple Can you understand me this morning when I tell you that before you woke up this morning, before you even thought about the morning or even this day, that God had already prepared something in this day. He had already prepared something in this moment that when you got here, you could embrace it. 
and you can be blessed by it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Everybody say, he prepared it. He elevated a man and he brought him into leadership so that they could be released to go home. Seventy years of captivity had come to an end and now the door was open for them to return. We spoke about that. We sang about that open door just a moment ago. The opportunity for recovery was theirs at last. They could rebuild their temple. They could rebuild their place of worship. They could rebuild the walls of their sacred city. They could rebuild their lives. They could reclaim their possession. They could reclaim their identity. They could repossess their promises. All because God orchestrated that moment in their life so that when they got there, everything would be in order for them to enjoy what he wanted them to enjoy. Amen. Oh, listen to me today. I'm not, I'm, not pray, I'm not preaching just to aggravate you. I'm preaching to stir something inside of you to make you understand that you are in a God moment this morning. You're not just here on a Sunday, but this is a God-ordained moment in my life. God had set up the king that would allow it to happen. And he opened the door. And here was this fresh opportunity to do something to and for their lives that would be for their betterment and for their future. The door had been open to return. The door was open to reclaim. The door was open to rebuild. The door was open to reestablish. No matter how broken they were, no matter how shattered their life had been, no matter how tarnished their past had been, God looked past their past and he looked forward to their future and said, that's not how I want you to live. This is how I want you to live. This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to enjoy. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. Oh, God, help me to appreciate the fact that you are working right now. Amen. God is working right now, setting the atmosphere for your, my, your, your recovery and my recovery. Even though you are unaware of it, God is working even now. You don't even know what God is up to. You don't even know what life is about right now because you're too busy batting and combating all this garbage that's going around in your life and you're so confused and disoriented. You don't even know who you are. You're displanted. You're in a place you don't belong. And the sad part is some of us have gotten comfortable living here. According to historians that when, Babylon, when the Babylonians captured the Jews and displaced them, they didn't disrupt their life. They had just as good a life in Babylonian captivity and perhaps even better than they had in Jerusalem and in their promised land. And they got comfortable. They got comfortable living in a place they should never have been. Some of you are living in a place you should not even be today. 
and you've gotten comfortable being there. Oh, you know, you're a, you're a child of God, and it doesn't matter where you are. You're still a child of God. I, I, I hear all that nonsense all the time. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean you're enjoying the blessings of being a child of God. If you are bound by carnality or you're bound by worldly habits and desires that overcome your spiritual desire, you're not living in the place God wanted you to live. And here these people were in Babylonian captivity and they were satisfied with it. And then God began to stir something among a few of them and it began to catch fire. And and pretty soon they realized, you know what? This, this is not home. This is not where God called us. This is not what God called us to be. And so they started desiring and they started praying for and God started working and God began to move and God had orchestrated that after 70 years they would be brought back. It would not last forever and so here they were. God had brought them back to this moment. God had been there and given them this opportunity. Hey, I've got to tell you, church, God has prepared this opportunity. This is too much for me or Brother Landon or Brother Clyde or Brother Randy or anybody else on this staff. It's too much for us to have come up with. We're not smart enough to have orchestrated what God has prepared for this church for this hour. We're not smart enough to know all that God's going to unfold in this moment. But I have you understand today, God has prepared this hour for this church. And I want to be awake to it. And I want to be, in, I want to be connected to it. I want to be engaged in it. Come on, clap your hands one more time and give him praise. I'm going to hurry. As I mentioned before, on their return, there was an order to what they did. First, they rebuilt the altar. Then they came to the temple, and then they rebuilt the walls. For Jerusalem to be whole, they needed all three. They needed an altar. They needed a temple. They needed walls for them to be the people of God that they were called to be. They needed those three things in their life. And I believe that all three of those are typical of spiritual symbolic issues in our own deeper spiritual life. And I don't have time to go into all of those. But this is what I found interesting as I began to go back over this study. And God began to deal with me about our church taking this month of rebuilding and, and, and putting back together and putting back in place the right thing and getting our priorities right and, and getting our focus back on what it ought to be. It is interesting to me that when they built the altar, there was no opposition to them building an altar. But it was a different story when they started building the temple. Oh, by the way, did you know you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? I forgot to read that. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You and I are the New Testament temple. Now, 
why did they not fight them when they built an altar, but all hell broke loose when they started dealing with the temple? I'm going to tell you why you're facing some of the opposition you're facing right now. Because the devil doesn't care that you have a place to die. He cares that you might have a place to resurrect from. He cares that there might be a place that you can get to, that the altar is just the beginning. That's just the first step. But there's a place beyond the altar. There's a presence of the Almighty God. There's a temple that he wants to dwell in. And it's in that temple where there's restoration and there's renewing and there's revival. And that's why the devil ties his best to keep you from doing anything to this temple. Keep it messed up. Keep it dysfunctional. Keep it broken. He doesn't care how much I wallow around in brokenness. And he doesn't care how much I wallow around in death. As long as I never get to the place where I can live, Brother Dwayne. As long as I don't ever get into the presence of the Shekinah glory. You see, there was a divine imprint on the temple. When you look at the temple, it was laid out in the design of the cross. It foreshadowed what was coming down the road. It foreshadowed the Christ that was coming. That cross, that resurrection, that redemption, that restoration, and that's what the devil is fighting to keep you away from. Ah. That's why it's so hard for you just to get to church. That's why every kind of excuse in the world jumps up before you. Because if he can keep you disconnected from the presence of God. You see, the altar spoke of death, but the temple spoke of life. And it appears to me that the enemy doesn't care how many altars you build or how tall you build them. Now, I know that made great on your theology, but go back and read it. There was no opposition to them building. They feared what the people might do to them, but there was no opposition when they were building the altar. But as soon as they picked up the first stone and said, we're going to rebuild this temple, Every kind of enemy you could imagine came out from every quarter. Among them, around them, they went up above them. They went back to the authority of the king to try to stop them. And for a long time, they struggled trying to get through all of that garbage and nonsense. But somehow God helped them pursue and Zerubbabel led them to the ultimate rebuilding of the temple. The thing that hell hates about this service this morning is the opportunity it affords you to move into a place of life, to get out of this deadness that I've been living in and something live begin to flow in my body and in my spirit. Come on, praise him right now. Praise him right now. As long as I live in my dysfunction, 
He doesn't care what I call myself. Do you know how many dysfunctional Christian people there are in this world? Still bound by all their old habits. I want to tell you why in the denominal church world that does not believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. The reason that the denominal church world is, is, is steeped in deep, deep spiritual issues that they can't seem to break free from. Addictions that they can't break. Things that they can't get past. Things that they justify. That there is such a thing as a sinning Christian. And I understand everybody's sin and come short. I understand that. But they use that as an excuse to say, well, you know what? Just being a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to fail. I understand that. But they never get beyond the altar of repentance because they don't believe in the power of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They don't believe that there's an experience where you speak with other tongues, where there is a literal transformation in your life. And because they never get beyond that altar of death, they've not gotten into that atmosphere of life where the Holy Ghost can move and speak and revive and breathe into you hope. I'm not here to bash denominationalism. I'm just here to tell you the reason the devil hates the Holy Ghost is because of what it represents in my life. And he will do everything he can to tell you it's not necessary. It's not essential. You have it when you believe. Amen. Why did he fight it? Why did the enemy rise up to fight the rebuilding of the temple? Why does the enemy of your soul and mine fight me so hard when it comes to my spiritual orientation and the building and the rebuilding and the structuring and restructuring in my life? And why does he fight me so much when I try to order my priorities scripturally and when I try to get a God vision for my life? I want to tell you why. Because if you ever get to that place, he has lost his hold over your life. There is no intimidation that he can use against you. There are no threats that he can use against you. There are no words that he can use that will keep you oppressed any longer. And that's why he doesn't want you working on this. That's why he's, he wants you to stay just like you are. Amen. If I'm offending you, forgive me. But the Holy Ghost is speaking right now. And you better open your ears and listen. The reason that he spoke that they fought so fiercely, number two, is because one place spoke of guilt and shame. And the other spoke of love and mercy. And the devil doesn't matter how long you wallow in your shame. He doesn't care how long you wallow in your condemnation. He doesn't care how long you're sick with your own self. 
as long as you never wake up and realize that there's a step you can take that will bring you into the presence of an almighty God that can free you where there's love and there's mercy, where you can find the hand of God embracing you drawing you into his arm and loving you with a love like no other love on the earth. I'm here to tell you the reason he fights you moving from where you are right now and becoming any more spiritual than you are right now is because he wants to keep you from that grace and mercy that will free you from your shame and your guilt and least release something in your life that you can enjoy freedom in living for God. Oh, yes. The reason he fights so hard, and I'm going to shut up. The reason that the devil fights so hard, you moving from the altar to temple building and rebuilding and refocusing and reorienting and reprioritizing your life is because when you do, you move from the blood of death. That's what's on the altar. The blood of death, sacrifice. That's where they brought the lamb to be slain. That's where they offered its carcass to be burned up as an offering for their sins. And the priest, because it was such an unclean place, the priest, when he left there, had to go by the labor and wash himself before he could go in to the tabernacle or the temple to finish his ministry. That's what the devil wants to keep you connected to. He wants to keep you connected to the blood of death. You just keep dying over and over and over. Every day you die a little more. Every day you live under a little more condemnation and a little more guilt and a little more shame and a little more embarrassment. And he keeps reminding you of all of your failures and all of your missteps and all of those things you've done wrong. That's what happens when you're at that altar. Everything about it said sin, 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 failure, 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 misstep, misstep, misstep. You can't do anything right. But if you can ever get past that, and you can get into the temple or the tabernacle, that's where it changes. Because now you move from the blood of condemnation to the blood of atonement, at one the blood of reconciliation, where no matter what you've done, no matter how you've sinned, no matter what your failures, that his blood is sufficient to cover the multitude of your sins. That's why he fights to keep you out of the presence of God because if you ever get into the presence of God, something's going to wash over you. There's going to be an atonement that's going to wash over you. There's going to be a cleansing that's going to wash over you. There's going to be a healing that's going to wash over you. That's going to transform your life and make you a new person, make you a new creature, make you alive. Ah, 
He's working right now to keep you from being free from your tormentor. In the name of Jesus. If this temple is rebuilt, listen to me, you can stand. This, listen to what they said. This is what the enemy of God's people said concerning their rebuilding of this temple. Listen to me. Ezra chapter 4, verse 13. He said, but it be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and the walls set up again, then they will not pay toll. They will not pay tribute. They will not pay custom to you any longer. That if you ever get into the temple business, if you ever get to where the Shekinah glory is, it's going to break chains off of your life. It's going to break demonic holes that have been over your family. Did you hear me? It's going to break curses. Go read the book of Zechariah. Zechariah was the prophet that lived during this time. And God's promise to them was, I'm going to break the curse that is on your life because you have rebuilt this temple. You want to break generational curses? Get into the presence of God. Get to where the Shekinah glory is. You want to break the hand of the tormentor that's on your life all the time? Then get into the presence of God. Come on, get busy rebuilding, working on that temple where the Spirit of God can come in, where the presence of the Lord can fill it. You see, when they put it all in order and when they got everything in its right place, the Bible said that the presence of God came and filled that place. And God will do the same in our lives when we understand how important it is that I work on this man. That's why every time you go to pray, an excuse comes up. That's why every time you you, you go to get out of your seat, you're reminded. Somebody's going to see you. Somebody's going to know where you've been, what kind of hypocrite you are. That's why every time you try to lift your hand, there's something in you said, oh, that's not necessary. You can do it without doing that. You can worship him without words. You can worship God without... I'm getting on your turf right now. I know I'm aggravating some of you, but the Holy Ghost has sent me here today to do that. He has sent me here to stir something up in you that would cause you to want to get to building and rebuilding and putting stuff in order so that his presence... I need that renewing of the Holy Ghost. 
I need that renewing of his spirit. I need that renewing of his power. Hallelujah. I want you to forget about everybody else in this building right now. It's just you and God. It's just you and God. Come on, some of you need to talk to God right now. It's just you and God. Forget about everybody else. Forget about time. Forget about what your plans are. It's just you and God. name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I want to be free from the tormentor. I want to be free from the oppressor. I want to be free from the thief. I want to be free from the intimidator. If the temple is rebuilt, if the walls go back up, if the covering comes back, you see, there's a blood covering in the temple. There's a blood covering in the temple. There's a blood covering in the temple that you can't find anywhere else in life. There's a Shekinah glory. There's a mercy. There's mercy. There's the mercy seat in the temple. There's a place for reconciliation. There's a place for amendment. There's a place for atonement. There's a place for God to do something in my life. 